The Way Out Podcast, episode 277. What is your name? Vienna. Vienna? What was your substance of choice or DOC? Alcohol and more of it. You and me both, sister. <laughs> more, more, more. Mas. Yes. What is your clean and or sober date? My date uh, is now December 31st, New Year's Eve, 2018. I am three years alcohol free. Hot damn. New Year's Eve is a crazy day to get sober. Mm-hmm. So we're going to yeah. dig into that for sure uh-huh. in a hot minute. But that's great. Congratulations on three years of continuous sobriety, Vienna. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Vienna, how do you serve the recovery community? I I don't I, I, I try my best to to stay positive, stay focused. I uh, when I see people that are in trouble, um, I I know what it's like to be really down. Um, and that feeling of being lost and, and, you know, they have a lot of work to do. So I, I try my best to just be, you know, supportive, be there, let them know, let them feel comfortable around me, that they can talk about things because I have empathy. I have compassion for lots of different people and situations and issues, and we all have them. Um, so I just strive to be positive and happy and and focused and sober every single day being the best example of recovery we can be on a day in and day out basis is a tremendous way to be of service to the recovery community because when we embody the best of what recovery can be that's attractive to other people and they're more likely than not to says you want to reach out and how did you do it and i see this big change in you what are you doing what's going on right and so this idea that by virtue of living a life of recovery and embracing that life of recovery people are attracted to that right and i i also have been able to to help people I, I found this out two years ago last year when i celebrated two years on various social media sites that have helped me through this whole process because i'm not alone mm. nobody's alone in this mm. and if you see everybody has their struggles going on and if i i shared a before and after picture i had no teeth in the first one and then my after picture and people said Oh my gosh, it's New Year's Eve. You're celebrating two years. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? I said, you got this. There's plenty of tools out there. Grab them, okay? Stop feeling sorry for yourself, all right? You have a brain. Get out there. Life's too short, okay? You got to appreciate what you have, you know, and, and, and get yourself help. You can do it, you know? And uh, I had people from all over the world telling me, I just poured my whole bottle of vodka down the on the sink you just inspired me so much thank you so much and people were just commenting and commenting that i'm helping them through this year of them them wanting to stop and my words of tough love were getting to them 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really making a difference here. This is amazing. I never knew this was possible. And the, the, the way we're all connected and, and we all have that substance of choice and, and we're struggling and we're fighting and we're fighting and, it, and it's a struggle every day. But um, if I can help one other person, my gosh, I, I light up, light up. It's, it's empowering to watch somebody go through that transformation right? and recover out loud. And when we recover out loud, we are showing other people it's possible and that they're not alone. And I those two things are critical in terms of starting recovery. I have to believe that it's possible. Yes. And for most of us, I have to believe that I'm not alone. Right. That, that I don't have to do this alone. Yeah. I can do this with a community. Yes. That's the best way to do it. Connect with others. Absolutely. Find the help. Find the avenue that works best for you. Keep going. Keep working at it. It, it never ends, but it gets better. It gets a lot better. It sure does. Vienna, what does recovery mean to you? Recovery means to me, uh, I'm living my life. I'm, I'm, I enjoy the little things. I appreciate lots of things. I appreciate nature. I appreciate everything. I'm alive. Mm. My head is clear. I'm focused. I know what I want in life. I'm not tied down anymore. And, and I, I continue to grow in my sobriety and and just continue to be, you know, connected. And it, and it means the world to me because I didn't have a life before I stopped drinking. Yeah. I was lost, I was down, I was up. I thought I knew, I thought I could. And and now I I know there's so much to live for. And I, I, I have a huge list, a bucket list of all these things I wanna do. And oh my gosh, I gotta do, <laughs> I gotta do everything, I gotta do everything. So, you know, little bits at a time, but the rewards are what keep me going. Recovery sounds like it means life to you. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't living before. I wasn't being true to myself. I wasn't being honest. Hmm. Um, you know, the lying, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, trying to work and, you know, hiding this big secret that nobody could ever imagine that I am throwing back two and a half bottles of wine a night and going to work the next day yeah. and talking to people from all over the world and, and creating and doing all these things in marketing. And, and, and I'm, I gotta take a break and, and throw a file in the bathroom. Cause that's lovely, you know? So I struggled and I struggled. So, yeah, it's all about life now. Welcome, Way Out faithful and first-timers, to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast 
partners with All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's AllRecoveryRings.com. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding, and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution, this podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, we have an outstanding interview with person in long-term recovery, Vienna, a marketing extraordinaire by day and social media sober inspiration and artist by night. Vienna shares with us her journey to and through a recovery to this point, which has been marked by both sides of the destructive force of addiction and alcoholism in first having to watch helplessly as loved ones fall into the spiral of addiction and ultimately enduring the death of a partner due to addiction. Addiction wasn't done with Vienna yet, as she ended up having her own reckoning with alcoholism. Vienna's unmitigated candor in relating her story and her undeniable inspiration is extremely relatable. So listen up. Vienna, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Way Out podcast. I cannot wait to dig into your recovery journey. But before we do any of that amazingness, Why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself to the Way Out podcast audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll get started. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm honored to be on this program and I am Vienna. I currently live in beautiful Fort Lauderdale, the Sunshine State. I work at a global marketing agency uh, remote. I do some traveling. Uh, I'm 
down here. I'm 40 years old. I am still single <laughs> and no kids. I've uh, never been down the aisle. I am loving life down here. Uh, there is so much to do. People are friendly. People are wonderful. I've gotten back into art. I have my own studio. I paint. I paint through my recovery. I, I do everything to pick myself back up because only you can do that for yourself, right? I mean, we have support and everything, but right now in recovery, I, I couldn't be happier. That's amazing. And you talked about art. So I want to talk about that too. That's really great. One of the things that we do when we recover is we have the opportunity to discover new passions, rediscover old passions that got lost and drowned in our active alcoholism and addiction. And recovery allows us to rediscover those passions and that creativity and discover new ones as well. So tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up and what childhood mm -hmm. was like for you. Did you grow up in Fort Lauderdale or did you grow up somewhere else? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. I, uh, I'm from a, a small town in New York, in uh, Westchester County. In, Wait, there's uh, small towns in New York? Yeah, yeah. They're not just yeah. all like giant cities? No, no. In just north of New York City, there's Westchester County. It's it's pretty wealthy, nice area. And I grew up in a, in a small town there. My family had an Italian restaurant. We grew up in the restaurant business. I'm a people person due to that. Um, my, I have an older brother, I'm 40, he's 48. And, um, he got in a lot of trouble growing up. So I didn't really have the best role model. He's also an alcoholic. He's been sober for about 15 years. Um, I, I went to an all girls Catholic school with nuns and, um, basically my whole life. So, um, I just, at an early age, I, I realize this all now. I realize now why I drank so much and wanted to get my hands on anything was the fact that I didn't have any love nurturing in my household. Mm. Unfortunately, my mother is mentally ill and very depressed and she's a, a narcissist. Mm. So my brother was the golden child, but but in a, in a more of a sick way. And mm -hmm. I, any successes that I, I did, or I started painting, or I did great things in school, I was only praised. I was only given attention if I did something negative. Mm -hmm. So I saw my brother getting so much attention, you know, getting arrested and getting busted with drugs and in and out of jail. And, and I, I looked at that and I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be bad too. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get, you know, attention somehow. I'm going to rebel. So I think it started around sixth grade. I got kind of curious. Seventh and eighth grade, forget it. You know, I, I was in the drug and alcohol group at my school just to get out of class and pretend I was a badass and say like, I had, you know, a 40 on Saturday and I was <laughs> so drunk, you know, like I didn't even know what I was getting myself into at that point. So, um, you know, tried a cigarette and 
you know, throwing up friggin' old E, you know, in a park with friends. And um, do you remember yeah. Vienna the first time you drank and and how you felt? Was that a memorable experience for you? It was great. Yeah, my friends stole some some beer from the store and my parents were at the restaurant. So I, my brother never really watched us or anything. So we got hammered on the street, lived on a dead end. And um, my mom came home with a pizza. <laughs> and I remember I just felt on top of the world. I felt free. I felt lit up. I am feeling this is amazing. I love this. I love this because I lack so much love and attention. My mother never, we never watched television as a family. She never cuddled me or hugged me mm. or said, I love you or never said, I'm proud of you. You know, I went into other homes and all their moms were, you know, brushing their hair and being loving moms and cutesy wootsy. My mom just stayed upstairs in the dark watching black and white movies, didn't have a relationship with my father and was super angry and took it out on me. So for me to escape that first time, I was I was immediately hooked. Give me whatever you got. And this is like eighth grade. So get into high school and now I'm like, what's that? What's that? What do you got? That's speed? What's speed? Can I have some? What's that? LSD? I'll put it on my tongue. I'll go to school with it. Sure. I see the clouds going weird by. I'm sitting in class. I got to leave. Um, I'm a bad student, but I'm passing. Mm. And um, all I wanted to do was escape. And I didn't know why. And I know now, but I, I didn't know back then. I was hurting. Yeah. I was hurting. I was alone. Yeah. I was just, my brother wasn't around. He was older. He was doing his own thing. And I was just getting messed up by myself. And so, so high school rolls around. I'm still in an all girls private Catholic school. And I just want to go see the boys and roll up my skirt and go to their school and hang out and <laughs> drink in the parks and go to keg parties and do that stuff. Did you enjoy the parties? Were, were you, you talk about being with the drug and uh, drinking crowd in the party crowd? And absolutely, I can so relate with that, Vieta, because you know, after my mom died when I was 11 years old, you know, I had this this hole that I that I didn't know how to fill. And the first time I drank, it eliminated all of my pain, all my anxiety, yep. all of my depression, yep. and it unlocked things in me that I didn't know how to unlock without it. Like I could hit on the girls. I could stick up to the guys and I could be the life of the party. Did you oh. enjoy the party scene? I was the life of the party. I did not want it to end. I was never that girl that was in the corner like, oh, he won't dance with me or he broke up with me or I was just having a good time 100%. all the time. Like, you know, they say, what do they say? Uh, off to the races, right? I did not want to stop having fun. Like pissed off. People are leaving the bar. Like, where's everybody going? Have another here, here. I'll buy it. I'll buy everybody. Absolutely. Free, free. Let's Absolutely. Go, let's, go, yep. let's, go. let's keep this party going yes please let's keep it going i'm having so much fun i'm not remembering that i don't have love and affection and attention i just want to keep going this is great i'm masking all my feelings this is amazing now i'm not emotionally uh 
excelled by then. So I, and in high school, I started getting into ecstasy. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing going yep. to clubs in New York city. And I was hanging out with all the, the DJs and the, and the VIP guys. And, and, and raves of- were starting to be a thing around this time. Was- you and I are about the same age, Vienna. So raves were definitely yeah, starting to find yeah, their glow sticks. I had a tongue ring. <laughs> uh, why? I don't know. But you, you, you mess up your mouth when you're when you're tripping. And I must have busted a million of those, those glow sticks in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> No, were you one of those? Were you crazy with the glow sticks? Because I could never do that. No, like, I no, knew I, didn't, wasn't, I wasn't like a raver dancer. Okay. I was more right. like, let's sit on the speaker and get like more of a dopey pill. Kind of like the, <laughs> the more like I feel See, like I'm on heroin. Okay. Yeah. I want to like this is my body feels yeah. amazing. I love everybody. Yeah. I love you and you. I. Yep. Yep. You and I are on the same wavelength yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't want to like dance my ass off. Like, but I would I'm, sit I and watch. Dehydrated. I know I'm dehydrated. I'm fighting over my with my friend over what pacifier we're going to have at the sound factory. Like crackheads. I mean, and then I and my mother. Pacifiers. Thinks, I can't. That is so funny. Yeah, pass, we went yes. to CBS and bought pacifiers. I'm like, I want the purple. She's like, I want the purple. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, we threw up in the bathroom all the time, but then we were all right. And then you go down to the other rooms and, and you, you're coming off of the E and then you want to start sniffing some K. So you, you kind of get back into just being all messed up. And then you walk out of the club at one o'clock in the afternoon and the birds are chirping and people are walking their their, their kids and carriages. And, and we are just messed up, mm. Mm. messed up. And like, where do you go from there? I heard somebody once say when I was in treatment that they referred to themselves as a what you got a holic. <clears throat> That's a good one. And yeah, I can relate to that. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. So so I was basically a club girl would fly down to Miami, back to New York City, back to Miami. And I hung out with this big club circle and they all did a lot of cocaine and mm. I knew I had an addictive personality at that point. And I said, I'm not touching that because I'm just going to drink because that's safe. You know, I'm not going to end up like them and have heart attacks and die. I'm going to I'm just going to drink my face off. That's fine. And um, they were up for days and I was just drunk and slurring and falling all the time and bumps and bruises and scrapes. And and then I. During high school, I decided I got to stop. I got to stop this ecstasy pills, five in one night, popping pills, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I did. And I just decided I'm going to use that other vice drinking and I'm going to stop because I got into like a depressive state with all that serotonin leaving my body from all the ecstasy. Who knows what were in those pills? I'm lucky I'm alive. Right. And, um, I went off to college and my mother took me shopping for my dorm. She said, I said, what about this garbage pail? Isn't this nice? And she's like, does it really matter? You're going to be throwing up in it anyways. I'm like, well, that's, that's nice. Thank Mm. you. Um, Always negative. Always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I went to college and did I start to party, 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 drunk all the time, missing classes, Telling my one of my professors, like I'm literally uh, my family's involved in the mob and I can't be on campus and my father needs to make me safe. I'm in danger. Like she literally bought it and I passed the class. 
I mean, I would use the craziest excuses to get me by because I was such a drunk. Like, was college drunk. even worse in terms of the level and the extent of your use because of the environment when you oh, were out yeah. of the house? Oh, yeah. I was I had a ball, you know, <laughs> we're, we're playing like strip uh, flip cup and like strip beer pong across the hall. I'm like, oh, let's go play strip beer pong. This is fun with the guys. I never had guys in my classes before college. Right. I was going into college with full makeup right, on. And they're like, what, why is she wearing full makeup? It's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, these guys in here? Um, stuck out like a sore thumb. People are rolling out in sweats. And I'm like, hello, good morning. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a I had a class in college and I it was about um it was a writing class and I and I wrote a paper on ecstasy and how I, I kicked that thinking mm. I'm so great. I sure. kicked that. <laughs> uh, and they published it and I talked about the depression bubble and my phones were tapped for six months because I was, you know, talking to some big drug dealers in the neighborhood and they all got busted and they thought I could get them out of trouble because my family was very politically connected, county legislation, Congress, uh, uh, commissioners, you name it. So you didn't really, you couldn't really mess with my family back then. Right. We were kind of unstoppable. My grandfather kind of like ran the county. Mm. Um, so, you know, we had the restaurant and everything, but college was great, but I wasn't really excelling. I was excelling in drinking and right. party right. 101. And I was supposed to play softball in college. I played my whole life, started doing drugs and drinking. Mm. And that little wish went away. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't, these colleges scouted me and I, I didn't want to play softball. And then I because it was interfering with partying and drinking, right? Yes. Right. I didn't want to wake up early and go practice. Right. I want to party and, and be hung over and sleep all day. Right. Um, so I, I buckled down and said, let me, let me transfer. And I, I started playing softball but I was already an alcoholic and I was drinking all the time. And um, I was the first person in my family to actually graduate from college. I did it. It was super hard, but I, yeah. I did it. And I did. I played softball. I got through it. But my drinking was getting worse and getting worse. So you were functional, <laughs> but 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 kind of just barely, right? Barely functional. Yeah, I was dating this this. Uh, this guy for about six years, like my club guy. And then um, I met this other guy in college and we got engaged. We were together for 10 years. He was my, everybody would make fun of us. He was my twin. He was Vienna in the man version. He, we drank like animals. He spoiled me. We went away every three months, you know, lavish vacations and drank drank all day long, take a nap, drink, 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 bottles and bottles and bottles and, and vodka and martinis and two peas in a pod, really two peas in a pod, super toxic. I remember being at the W in New York city and us waking up and I, 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 would, I would always have alcohol poisoning pretty mm -hmm. much, mm -hmm. um, throw up bile, like 
at least till maybe like six or seven, eight that o'clock that night. And then my body would click and say, okay, you can get fed now. Yeah. You can, you're going to keep it down. Yeah. You know, um, that happened so often. And I just pushed it away and pushed it away and I'll control it. We're just having fun. We're going to get married and have a house and we'll settle down and have children. And this will all be, be fine. Um, I knew I had a big problem, but it wasn't really denial because it always was like, hello, like, what are you doing? That point wasn't ready to do anything. Having fun. I had this man who proposed beautiful ring. I planned the wedding of my dreams. Everything was going to be great. And he got cold feet two months before this lavish wedding in a castle. And I said, I'm not going to do this. If, if you're not going to be proud to have me walk down this aisle and, uh, it all went downhill, paid my father back. Um, we ended up moving in together. He reproposed and we were getting our life together. And now we're living together. And how old are you at this point? Uh, early 20s. Okay. Early 20s. Okay. And we are in our apartment, two bedroom, two bath. And we have a balcony and three months into it, I'm wondering what's wrong with him. He's acting really strange. He's such a sweet, kind man. And what's happening? And I was at work one day and he called. He had a landscaping masonry company, very successful. And um, he told me, I have a problem. He goes, uh, when you go to work in the morning, I go to work set up the guys. I go buy a bunch of heroin. I go back on our couch and I sniff it all day. Mm. And I try to be normal by the time you get home from work mm. and I can't stop. And my life, like we used to watch the show intervention every Sunday night together. And we'd like bank on them. Like, Hey, is this guy going to make it? He's going to make it. They're going to make it. He's going to make, she's going to make it. And, uh, I turned into an episode mm. and it was brutal. And I tried to support him. And this is all new to me. Heroin is new to me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm doing research. I'm trying to help him and he's doing a half ass job. I went to his doctor. They're giving him Suboxone. They're giving him this. And I'm trying to take him on picnics and, and do things without drug alcohol free. You know, like I'm here for you. We can do this. And, um, you know, we went away to Florida for my birthday and he like forgot his pills or ran out and over state lines, he couldn't get it. So he had to fly home before my birthday. And I was like, I'm not leaving. I sat in the Ritz Carlton, like <laughs> premier lounge and doused myself with vodka until I passed out like in the lounge, not even in my room. Mm. Um, and just, he was lying. And, and we, we, we were like, he was, we were planning a wedding, another wedding. And I had a wedding planner and he was on heroin, nodding off almost when we're with a weenie with the wedding planner. Mm. And I'm like, Oh my God. He needs serious help. So I reached out to his cousins and his family to get him help. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lies, lies, lies. Drugs, lies, drugs, lies. 
We've all heard about it, but he ended up uh, New Year's Eve one year. <laughs> he used to buy me the most expensive bottles of vodka and wine and, and treat me while I'm in the tub. Here's some, here's another glass so that he would get me messed up more so that he could go sneak in his closet and go in his bathroom and sniff heroin all night. Mm -hmm. And I finally figured it out. I found his hiding spot on New Year's Eve. I found six bags. I sent a picture before I flushed it to his cousin because nobody believed me. They're like, no, not heroin. Probably coke, Elena. Come on. So I'm like, no, 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 it's true. And he fessed up to it, but I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I left that apartment on New Year's Eve. I got hammered at this club with my girlfriend, ended up getting half of my face painted all sexy and cool. I didn't even know how to get home. The cab driver, no Ubers back then, decided to look at my license, which still had my home address Uh where my parents live. So here I am, day one of the new year. My fiance at the time is addicted to heroin. I am laying on the floor of my old bedroom. And I woke up and I'm like, what the hell's going on? I looked in the mirror, my face is painted. I'm like, oh my God, my parents are waiting for me to wake up. Oh my God, what am I going to say? You know, I've gotten myself into so much trouble. I, you know, I told them what happened and I, and I left him and moved to a different city, a small city in New York. And um, I tried to just start all over again. He ended up getting arrested in and out of jail, not sure if he's dead or alive. He lost his entire company, lost his teeth, lost his everything, uh, and was living on the streets. Will call me from jail once in a while. So that that crushed me. Yeah, I had to um, pick myself back up again, and um, but I was still drinking, but but not crazy crazy, like you think I would. Um, but I, I ended up meeting a new guy a few years later, a family friend, and he was warned, you know, Vienna does not tolerate hard drugs, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And um, he was warned. He was the sweetest, warmest, kindest, gentle loving guy ever. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. We did drink a lot together. We were, he was saving for a ring. Everything was going great. He had a problem with pills in the past, but we just drank. We went to weddings. We went away together. We were about to move in with each other. He overdosed on pills and he died seven years ago. Wow. He, um, Slipped into a coma after he got off the phone with me. He had six cardiac arrests in the hospital, five days, and then they pulled the plug on Christmas Eve. So here I am. Like, am I a magnet? Am I a magnet to drug addicts? What is wrong? Why am I 
what's going on? I got my world shattered. I was so broken that he left. I, I, that was, you know, Christmas Eve and from Christmas Eve to February 9th, Drinking was no longer fun for me. Mm. Drinking, I was getting in a deep, dark hole that I never would want to get myself into. Mm. I got so low. I couldn't buy groceries. I couldn't do dishes, leave my apartment. Mm. I wore the same Jets jersey every single day. I didn't know where to go. So the only thing I knew was I had to stop drinking. Mm. I had to, because I was going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. I would have drank myself to death. So I had to take my inner strength, all of the energy and willpower that I could find and say, you have to stop, put it down. I went to a meeting. I started working out. I Stop hanging out people, places, and things. I've obviously heard these things before, and now I'm implementing them in my own life to save myself. I had no choice. I, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to have that high anymore. Yes, yeah, totally sucks. But I, I had so much more energy. I started working out. I started getting spiritual. I, I was, you know, going hiking and, and enjoying nature and, and finding the friends that are supporting me through this, which I couldn't have done without them. And I just kept going and lost 30 pounds and I'm doing nice things for other people. And I'm, yeah, I'm clean as of February 9th. And, and I just kept going. I, I went to a, uh, <clears throat> I went to a 12 step program a few times and I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I went in there And I hear these people talking about their stories and the whole place is laughing. Ha ha, I fell in a ditch. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) And I'm like, this, that's not funny. That's not funny. It was making me mad Mm. because I'm like, I don't want to be that person up there thinking this is all funny one day. Why can't I have a glass of wine with dinner? Why me? Yeah. Why can't I be like all my other girlfriends, have two glasses, get a little giddy and go home? Mm-hmm. I went out to dinner, pretended I was fine, and then said, okay, bye guys. Didn't care the night was over because I knew I'd drink two more bottles at home by myself. Yep. Right. Listen till music till eight o'clock in the morning, sad ass songs, and then calling them at nine o'clock because I know all my friends that are moms are awake. And they're like, hey, Vienna, why are you awake so early? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just figured I'd get up early. <laughs> Meanwhile, I am a shit show, cracked out, like feeling sorry for myself, having a freaking pity party every damn night. And I just got so sick of myself, sick of it. Okay. I got to get to that point where I can go into a meeting and tell my story, mm. be proud of it, mm. and laugh a little bit. <laughs> that was the hardest part for me, was to actually finally say, I have accepted the fact that I can never drink again. Mm. 
that part sucks. But I finally got there. Finally got there. So let me back up a little bit. Um, so yeah, after after uh, Dean's death, I I uh, you know got clean for two years, three months. I met this man. So you're clean for two years and three months after really being visited by addiction twice in really significant ways, right? Yeah, With, yeah. you know, uh, the end of a relationship due to heroin addiction and then losing your partner to drug addiction. So, so addiction really manifested itself in really significant ways before you're really prepared to reckon with your own. Exactly. Exactly. I was dealing with so much and I, I met this like dream man, like, Oh my gosh, did he sweep me off my feet? And, uh, he didn't understand alcoholism or anything. Mm. And he was so much older than me. And, I, and I'm like, maybe he's, I don't know. He's like, why can't you just have one glass with me? One glass, Sienna, one. So I'm like, okay, I'm one. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? This guy is like, I'm glazed over from him. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, oh, I'll pick whichever one you want. Just one. And I'm like, hmm, fun. One glass, hmm, fun. Um, I was drinking like two and a half bottles a night, but whatever. I'm like, okay, one glass. Okay, well, he learned the hard way because then <laughs> I was off to the races. Off to the races I went. He would be taking my full glass and giving me his empty glass at parties. And I'm like, like, you know, couldn't tell me to stop. So, so he's I trying to manage your drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm like, Super strong, independent woman. Right. I make my own money. I don't need anybody. Out of the okay? way, so you're buddy. You're not going to tell me to have a glass of water in between because it's not <laughs> going to happen. I'll dump the water in a plant. <laughs> so, I mean, now I'm I'm off to the races again. I'm I'm living in these beautiful buildings. I meet cool people. I'm on my rooftop one night. And I'm drinking and I'm having fun again. And I'm outside, I'm dehydrated. I'm drinking Sauvignon Blanc, a bottle here, this, that. I hit a weed pen, my eyes roll in the back of my head. I pass out cold, I uh, hit my head. I split my head open and I got nine staples at the hospital. Uh, do I remember being in the hospital? Nope. I don't remember basically every single night when it came with Dean or the guy, my ex-fiance, I am more apt to being blackout. So some people remember everything and I was just prone. I would always be checking my garbages like, oh God, did I eat that last night? Like, oh God, like every single night though. And then like, who did I call? Oh shit. Like just deleting it. Like, keep going, keep going. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. Uh, just keep going. Just keep drinking through it. It's okay. 
Some people would refer to that as like teleporting, right? Like, you know, uh, the last thing I remember, I was here. I was at the bar, wherever I was at this party and I wake up and I'm home or here or there. And it's like I teleported. And then the instant panic and fear that sets in in terms of, you know, what happened in that time that I was not conscious and blacked out happened to be a lot, especially with hard liquor and uh, checking the car right for dents and you know just you know it's 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 a it's an awful feeling it's that 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 time between opening your eyes and identifying if you did something horrible right um or something really bad happened is an awful feeling it's so awful it's the the amount of times i've been embarrass myself and so much guilt and so much anxiety the next day. Oh gosh, I'm an adult at this point. What am I doing? Why is everybody else not getting so drunk? Why am I such a mess? Why am I always slurring my words? Why, why am I, why do I keep repeating myself? You know, why do I have to hear it from my friends the next day? Like, do you want to know? Do you want to know what you did? Cause they all knew I forgot, you know? Um, so, you know, people would wake me up in the morning, like, look at the sunset, Vienna. Isn't it beautiful? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's great. Don't care. Didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't right. care about much. Didn't care enough to to want to control it. Didn't care because I like to freaking party my ass off. I didn't want it to stop. I want to stay at the bar till it closes and the lights come on. And then I want to go home and party more mm. until I'm passed out every night in my clothes, naked. I don't know where the hell I, I end up. One time I passed out in the hallway in this beautiful building and the concierge lady, this big lady, she was able to carry me to my door and get me in my apartment. Like to barely, I was just stumbling home because I was living in this fun little city and just getting, you know, hitting up different bars, hitting up different liquor stores so nobody would know. Um, at one point, this guy was giving me free cases of wine, like gorgeous, beautiful, quality, expensive. And I'm coming home from work every day, just getting hammered. Like, I don't care to work out. I don't care to go to the gym. I don't care to go see my friends brunch. Yeah, right. Brunch. Not having that. Um, wasn't taking care of myself. So did the transition from a lot of partying and a lot of out to drinking at home a lot? Was there a transition period toward the end, Vienna, where most of your serious drinking was happening alone at home by yourself? Uh, I tried not to be alone too much. Um, so I tried to go out with friends. But yeah, it was kind of a toss up. Mm -hmm. It was either I was out, but I knew I was going to be home alone and I could drink more. Mm -hmm. And I needed to drink before I went out. Pre-game. Well. Yep. You had to pre-game. <laughs> and pretend I didn't. Yeah. The Jekyll and Hyde. Right. Yeah. And, and I right. can so relate with that Jekyll and mm -hmm. Hyde piece. Like I need to somehow keep the facade that I'm not a raging alcoholic to my coworkers, friends and family. So what I need to do then is pre-game and post-game and somehow keep it under control during and so that meant I could only make sort of like finite periods of appearances. Right. And right. so I could get home and drink like I really wanted to drink. And so I can absolutely relate with that Jekyll and Hyde 
program. The problem was, is as soon as you have a live in partner, it becomes infinitely more difficult to hide the raging alcoholism, does it not? Well, when you're dating a drug addict who's <laughs> lying to me and pretending he wants to go to bed and uh, oh, his stomach hurts all the time and uh, I'm going to go to bed. And I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to stay up and drink more wine. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then in the morning, he say, hey, what you eat in the fridge? What are we? What a, what a raccoon get in the refrigerator? <laughs> Mangled his sandwich. I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it didn't really matter because I was dating a drug addict, right? Drug addicts, and uh, so I was dating that other guy, and then I that just kind of like fizzled out because basically ruined it um, with him because of my drinking. So that's kind of one of my big regrets is that I don't know where things would have went with that. Um. And then I, I had my nine staples in my head. My friend came to help me wash my hair. Now I'm getting downhill again, going downhill again. And uh, one night I was supposed to be at a party. And now, of course, I love parties, but I didn't want to like leave. Long story short, I have high heels on. It's raining. I'm walking from my old building to my new building that I'm living in. And I slip on the concrete and I smash all my teeth out. Smash my teeth. I smash my face. Um, and there's actually a before picture uh, on social media on that. And um, basically had to spend my life savings. Didn't tell my parents or anybody what happened. Just didn't see anybody while I was getting, uh, it took over a year with surgeries and getting new teeth in drained my life savings at the same time. Now you would think me not having a tooth at one at a, a thing, I'm still getting work done and I'm sipping wine out of a straw. And my girlfriend came in and said, are you, are you serious right now? Are you seriously drinking right now? You don't you have enough teeth in your mouth? You know, you just cracked your head open. You have nine staples in your head and you're still drinking. She's like, I can't watch this anymore. Poof, lost a friend. Poof, didn't care. Oh, she doesn't care about me. This is a bad time in my life. She should be here for me during this time. You're not a true friend. Anger, anger, <laughs> being ridiculous. So, you know, I, I kept going, I kept drinking. And then that year in, in 2018, I was getting close to New Year's Eve. And I was just like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of myself. I am so sick of it. I worked so hard for those two years and three months. And I was pretty damn happy looking back at those pictures and what I did. And I can do it again. And so I said, let me get real messed up. <laughs> and then stop. New Year's Eve is going to be my date because I'm going to go into 2019 clean and sober. And that's what I did. I was so fed up with myself. And uh, it's just, it was time. It was time for me to accept it all. And it was my time. And I said goodbye. And I have never touched it ever again. And it has been just over three years. Woo! 
<laughs> you know, Vienna, a couple of things you talk about alcohol saying goodbye, like you're saying goodbye to a partner or a friend. That, yeah. Right. And I can relate yeah. to that because I always relate to alcohol as being my first love. Hell yeah, it's wonderful. Of course, right. of course. Everybody, it's their best friend, right? It's their support system. It's their crutch. It's their, you know, you can lean on it anytime you want, right? It's always there. Always. Day drinking. Super fun. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, miss those those party days. I'm here in Florida now and I see a lot of it, you know, and I just look at people now. And in the beginning, when I first got sober, I'm like, Oh man, you know, I, I clearly wasn't really ready. Now I look at these people and I'm like, these idiots. They're making plans that are never going to happen, you know. And it was fun until it wasn't, right? Like, it, and it was fun for a while, right? Like, it was, it, and, and so that's the reality for for me, and I think for many others, is, you know, it was it, alcohol worked. It 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 worked for me until it didn't, until it till it turned on me. And until it really robbed me of my life and my ability to be able to manage my life. And so um, I don't I look back on, you know, my time drinking. I think of it in a way that, you know, I, I, I didn't have another way to cope. You know, I didn't have any other tools and. I used alcohol in order to be able to get through life. And, you know, I don't know. There were some pretty dark times, Vienna. Like, like if I didn't have alcohol, you know, would I have been able to get through those really, really, really dark times? Like, maybe not. So I, I have this sense of self-forgiveness around the way I used and abused alcohol. And... You know, it, it stopped serving me long before I quit. There's no doubt about it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there was this awful period of time where alcohol had clearly stopped serving me and started to destroy me. Right. And I had I wasn't ready to quit yet. And that was that was a, a period of time. I And that was an experience I don't wish on my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. But that got me ready to really say goodbye, like you said, right? To, that got yeah. me ready to say goodbye and right. begin a life without alcohol, right? So what did that look like for you this time around? This time around three years ago, wasn't as hard as it was the first time, because the first time, even just getting through the first few days was bad enough, right? People don't realize it. So you got to find support out there where people are going to like be proud of you and, and people need to understand. And, and back then I didn't have support. My mother didn't support me. My own brother, who's an alcoholic, didn't support me. I asked him for tips. He's like, just drink a Diet Coke and if you feel uncomfortable, just leave. I'm like, gee, that's the thing. Great. <laughs> um, I have that zero sounds like a great older brother impression, by the way, Vienna. Yeah. That's what that's yeah. how they all sound like. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's also <laughs> a narcissist like my mother and they, they want me to fail. Right. right. So so it's like they're not going to give me any advice. <laughs> they just want to watch watch the uh, the show, you know. Um, 
So here I am and he gets these crazy expensive gifts every year of his sobriety and my mom's so proud of him. And here I am six months. I'm like, I did it six months, you know, and then nobody's clapping for me. Nobody. So I have to always pat myself on the back myself. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten stronger because of that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to support me, my own father, mother, brother. Okay. I'm going to find it elsewhere and I'm going to succeed. And, and I'm going to get clean for me and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to start, start doing art again. Now I started, uh, I, I moved to Florida last year. Um, I started painting again. I used to oil paint and now I'm a fluid artist and now I have my own studio around the corner and now I have art shows all the time. I have people commissioning me to do gorgeous, huge paintings for their homes, which I would never be possible ever. I would just be drinking all the time. Um, things and, and, and doors are opening now. I'm, I'm doing things and going to markets, like who cares? Like uh, fresh fruit, big deal, like whatever. But like, I appreciate the little things. I walk around, I do things uh, in the community. I'm a part of the art community now. Um, I, I don't feel sorry for myself anymore. I accept it. I'm an alcoholic. I accept it. It's a hard pill to swallow. Indeed. And it took me years. Mm. I finally did it. And, um, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll, I'll get the urge, you know, like, God, I would drink a whole bottle of wine in five minutes right now. That's how I feel. But I know what other tools are out there. I know there's social media outlets. Um, I know I'm not alone. Um, I, I lean on my true friends that stuck by me. Um, I took action. Uh, and you know, if I went back to like a 12 step program these days, I'd probably embrace it. Mm-hmm. And I probably would start laughing mm-hmm. at all those stories again, <laughs> because it's okay now. Yeah, I finally made it through this hump and it was so hard, but like, if you educate yourself and stop feeling sorry for yourself and, and be honest with yourself, you know, you're in denial. Come on, life is too short. The pandemic has taught us quality of life is super important. Mm. It goes by so fast. That's why I moved down here to get a better quality of life, you know, and and uh, meet new people and and self-discovery. I'm I'm always evolving. I'm always looking for 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 something else, you know, um, to take in. And and I feel grateful every day. I feel blessed. I feel lucky. And you know what? Yeah, I have a lot of issues. I haven't spoken to my family in a few years. Yeah, you know, my mom wants to commit suicide if my dad ever comes to visit me in Florida and and lock him out of the house and and divorce him. They're in their late 70s. Um, I deal with mental illness. I've dealt with drug addiction. I've dealt with so many deaths. I've dealt with you know, never getting married and having kids like all the rest of my friends. Here I am, 40 years old, still single. Yeah, I could feel bad for myself, but I choose not to because I am blessed. I'm healthy. I'm all right. I'm smart. I have a job. I have a great place that I'm living at. I'm by the beach. I'm, I'm, I'm reading books on, on a, and I watch millions of movies and documentaries on drug addiction and alcoholism that that helped me keep going. 
because I get it. I get it. And I've, I've read this one book that was one of my favorites was um, it's called Blackout. Remembering the things I drank to forget. And uh, she's a career woman like me and was traveling the world like I did. I was I woke up in London one day in the hotel and there's like wine bottles everywhere and I was fully dressed and I'm like, oh God, what did I do last mm. night? You know, like embarrassed to go to restaurants because uh, I made a fool out of myself or I don't remember or did I? You know, sounds uh, like you really embraced recovery this time in a different way. Like you right. really leaned in. First thing I heard from you is you accepted your alcoholism on a very fundamental level. And then you actively engaged in a community of support. And those are actions. And you made a decision, Vienna, to recover out loud and find your tribe that was going to rally around you and support you and celebrate you as you did the difficult but rewarding work of recovery. And that's beautiful. And that is the essence of all good recovery is an essential honesty about the true nature of our relationship with our substance of choice, whatever that might be, and a genuine willingness to do whatever it takes to get better. Right? Yeah. And when you add that other ingredient of really embracing, so not just accepting that I'm an alcoholic, which is one thing, but really embracing it. Like right. I'm an alcoholic and damn it, I'm proud to be in recovery. I, I am. I am proud. And I'm that person that goes to the bar that I'm, I'm strong enough to do that. And, and with my girlfriends, if I can like eat, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, uh, you know, but I'm always make sure I'm comfortable and they know because they're supportive friends. And if I feel uncomfortable, we're out. But I'll get a Diet Coke with a lime. I'll get a glass of water. And you know what? I don't care if it looks like a drink. Oh, I want it to look. I want to be part of the crowd. I don't right. care. Right. I am proud to have my glass of water. And you know what? For this year, for my three year, I bought a, a a case of like these curious elixir drinks and I made them really pretty in a pretty glass and they don't taste like booze. They just taste like fruity, delicious. They're healthy for you. Like, you know, I think the world is actually kind of embracing the uh, sober culture with with these new drinks and healthy vibes. And I think it's wonderful. And you know what? All I had, my prettiest glasses were wine glasses. Well, I'm going to go on a hunt this weekend and find gorgeous crystal regular glasses that don't <laughs> look like wine glasses, then have it in a Love pretty it. glass. Love and it. say to myself, you know, good for me. This is a great drink and I love it. You know, Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. It's and now you're embracing life in a way that you haven't been able to up until this moment with your art, with creativity, being able to be the best version of yourself at work, at play, right? And really embracing recovery in a 360 degree fashion, which is amazing. And, you know, you talk about the creativity. A lot of people associate, you know, drugs and alcohol with being creative. And my experience is actually 
quite the opposite. Although I thought for many years that I needed to be under the influence in order to be, you know, creative, false, false. I'm much more creative, much more. And it's not even close sober. And there's so many examples of that, of folks that are extremely successful in all walks of life, creativity, business, whatever, that are sober. Right. Right. And in recovery. And I and I, I need get to be and clear I get that. headed. I need to be super clear headed. I was on a million softball teams back in the day, co-ed leagues that were fun and everybody's drinking on the mound in the outfield, taking shots <laughs> at JMO. And it's a Sunday. We have a double header, guys. Like, why are you getting wasted? I can't play wasted. Stop giving try to give me shots. I'm not going to play well because I just going to want to get drunk and sit down. So. <laughs> Vienna, we have some closing questions for you and these are a surprise so uh, vienna does not know what these are which makes it all the better vienna what does your daily or regular recovery routine consist of oh gosh uh i don't know i i still feel blessed every day i get up um not hungover. uh check my social media it reminds me I'm still sober and I'm going to do something good for somebody else. I'm going to do something to help me inside. Uh, And that I love doing nice things for other people. Um, That makes me really happy. And I think helps in my recovery as well to just reach out to other people and spread joy and spread love. Right. (laughs) It's the pandemic. So we got to, we got to keep our mental, stability going. So, um, I try to stay focused every day and, um, you know, I, I, I put myself in, in good environments and healthy environments so that I do stay sober. I heard gratitude in that. I heard self care in that. I heard being of service to others in that. That's a tremendous recovery routine. If you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been really I think great. you said this one, but we're going to ask it just to make sure what book or piece of recovery literature or as the cool kids say, Quitlet, <laughs> had the biggest impact on your recovery. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to this one. It's uh, New York Times bestseller Blackout. Remembering the things I drank to forget. Sarah Hapola. Now, now she, she was like me traveling the world and she's in France and she's, you know, these big meetings and she's a director role and she's got to present. And and, and I was presenting all over the world in Ireland and I got so hammered and she blacked out. Didn't know what happened to her. And I, I related so much with that book. She got through it Mm -hmm. and she was a mess like me, you know? So that one really helped me out. And I know there's so many other books out there that will help other people that might not black out every day like I did, <laughs> you know, uh, like Sober Curious was a, was a great one um, by Ruby Warrington. But that one struck a chord with me. Vienna, that's the magic of sharing our stories. Right? Because we never know who is going to hear that and be changed by it. But when we share our recovery stories and make an active choice to recover out loud, 
folks are going to hear that and they're going to think, oh, my gosh, they thought like I thought they felt like I felt they did what I did and they got better. And then for the first time, that light bulb is going to go off like, dang it, maybe I can get better, too, like and really believe it for the first time in their life. They can do it if I can do it. And I was down, down in the dumps. They can do it. But you got to get to a point where you say, like, you got to live in the moment now. The past is the past. We all have crappy past. And being an alcoholic, yeah, that wasn't so great. My past was not so great. But I'm not reflecting on it anymore. I am who I am today. And I'm, I'm thankful for today. And I'm living in the moment today. And I'm not so worried about the future. It's one day at a time. And that's absolutely true. So I try to express to my friends also, live in the moment. Stop stressing. Be happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. One day at a time, one moment at a time. And, you know, this idea that we don't regret the past, nor do we wish to shut the door on it. We're living in the right now, which is where the magic happens. That's where the joy is. Yes. Is in the joy out there for everybody. You think you're really down right now? You can get back up, but only you can really do it. So get on it. There's tons of help. Get out there and, and start living your life. And the help piece is so great because I really believe we all need that support. I think about a gentleman I interviewed related it to like an actor who's preparing for a role, has a dietitian, has a fitness coach, has an acting coach, right? Has a language coach has a team of people that helps that person succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And we can get that same team. Te- we can get that same team of people around us to help us succeed I, in our recovery. I just want to say one thing. I did have a uh, therapist when I was with my first uh, fiance. Uh, he, she was, she specialized in uh, addiction. So I went because he was on heroin, not because I'm an alcoholic, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And then the tables turned and she helped me understand. And that really helped a lot. And I still go to therapy to this day. I've been going every two weeks with this new woman down here. And that has helped me tremendously. Therapy was transformative for me. When I started my recovery journey seven plus years ago on December 6, 2014. I also started therapy in parallel. In therapy, I did uh, um, EMDR. And I also then started working the 12 steps and doing those things in parallel was transformative for me. Absolutely transformative. Vienna, what is the best piece of advice you have received in recovery to date? Best piece of advice. Uh, Be myself. I have a great personality just as it is. I don't need alcohol to have a good time. And I prove that to myself all the time. Like, I'm dancing up a storm and my friends that are drinking are sitting and and I'm, I'm having a great time. So uh, best piece of advice, just be me. I don't need it. 
I love that. What is the greatest challenge you've had in recovery to date? Biggest challenge is the the lack of love and support from my family. Mm. Uh, I had to pivot real fast and say, how do I get through this without family <laughs> giving a shit about me? So it's like, where do I go? You know, so. Um, that's a that's a tremendous was, challenge. And it reminds me yeah. that when we get sober and enter recovery, life still gets lifey. Life is not perfect. Mm-mm. And we can recover anyhow. Yeah. I lived alone 2020 in a small one bedroom and I made it and I didn't pick up a drink and everybody's like, Oh my God, the world's going to end. I made it through 2020 and I kept going and I kept going, you know, and, and there's still like wrenches thrown at you, but you got to deal with the issues head on deal with them. Cause if you're going to drink through them, they're going to amplify and be so much worse than they really are. I really believe Vieta when you live alone, you live with yourself. And there, I think there's a difference there. It's a, when you're sober and you're in recovery, you're really living with yourself and learning how to live with yourself, right? And that's an important part of the journey. I really believe that. Yeah. yeah. What is your greatest success to date in recovery? Greatest success? Uh... I guess um, is moving down to Florida, starting fresh and not really knowing anybody um, and starting a whole new life for myself. And I did it and I love it. And I made a whole new life for myself. And I think that's a success in itself. That is a tremendous success that you were able to navigate a brand new place where you knew one human being and create a life in recovery that is fulfilling and enduring. That's the definition of success. Yeah, it's been great. The next one's a doozy. And then we end with a fun one. Okay. What is something you haven't forgiven yourself or someone else for? I let, I let a lot of people down. I, I, this one sticks with me. I I let down my best friend's mom and I was so drunk at her beach house and I, I disrespected her in a weird way. And I feel terrible to this day that I let her down um, because she was like so supportive and loving to me. And I mean, I'm going to somehow make it up to her. And I think just being sober does that. Um, but she's like, honey, you, you can never drink again. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but I, I really regret that. And I, I let a lot of people down. In the 12 step program, we call that a living amend. When we change for the better and our lives are the amend that today I treat you and the people around me 
the way I think my higher power wants me to treat them, which is with love and kindness. And that's a living amend. But we also have the opportunity. And I, I really believe our higher power puts ourselves in in positions to make direct amends right to these people. And those happen on uh, in the time and in the order they're supposed to. And as mm-hmm. long as we're sober and we're being the best examples of recovery we can be on a daily basis, those opportunities will come. Mm-hmm. They absolutely will. And only because we're sober. Right. That's right. Here's the fun one. Okay. Yay, fun what one. song symbolizes recovery to you, Vienna? It's such a tough one. <laughs> God, I have to get back to you on that. I, <laughs> I worked in television. I worked at MTV. I'm really into music and um, recovery song. Oh, gosh. I don't know. A pin- I can't pinpoint one right now. If Vienna thinks of a song that embodies recovery to her. She will definitely get it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. So make sure that you're checking the show notes for the book recommendation for Vienna's best piece of recovery advice. That'll be in the show notes. And if Vienna can pull a song out of the hat that embodies recovery to her that will be in the show notes as well so make sure you're checking all of that out vienna this has been an absolute 100 blast probably mostly because you now have re-imagined this memory of being at a rave and seeing girls with binkies in their mouths and thinking that's both like hot and kind of weird at the same time. And I totally forgot that that was a thing. And you reminded me of that. So thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for being on the way up podcast. This was great. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And thank you everybody out there in way out podcast land. We will talk to you next time. I hope this helps. Thank you for being a part of the way out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Tune in, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will. <laughs>